When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Punk Rock MBA podcast. Really quickly, before we get into this episode, I wanted to mention my Patreon. Patrons get all of the podcasts a week early. I do giveaways. I do some other stuff. But most importantly, if you want me to review your music or artwork or anything else, Patreon is the way to do that. Every month, I do a call for submissions. All you need to do if you want me to review something is just post it in the comments of that post. Then I will review it live on Twitch for the hundreds of people that tune into every stream and post it on Patreon for everyone to check out. All you need to do is just join at the $10 and up level, stay tuned for that post, and you are good to go. So if that sounds cool to you and you want me to review your music, artwork, or anything else, hit the link in the show notes for this episode. And thank you very much to everyone who supports over on Patreon. Johnny Frank, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for making time for this. I saw on your Zoom, it says John Frank. Is this like, if you've been childhood friends with somebody, you're like, hey, Bobby. And he's like, actually, it's Robert now. (laughs) <laughs> no uh the second people start calling me john is when i know i've lost my soul <laughs> but yeah it's it's my name on my birth certificate so i guess i gotta go with it sometimes got it <laughs> well you know i like to start with something a little bit spicy so that people will keep watching oh i've told this story before uh and i'm pretty sure i told you but i'm gonna say it again because it's a good one the people need to hear it i met your dad in 2010 or something like that when you were on tour with attack attack. <laughs> I didn't know it was your dad, but somehow or another it came up and uh he said, "Well, what what is this?" and he showed me your Twitter and you you tweeted StarCraft 2 bitches. And he's like, "What what's going on here? I'm I, I'm a little concerned." I, and I was like, "No, no, it's a it's a game. It's like StarCraft 2, comma bitches, not StarCraft, comma 2 bitches." He's just he's playing a video game. He's like, oh, okay, good. It's like, uh, Mr. Frank, I hate to say it, but your son is a fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Don't worry. He's maidenless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. It's an RTS game. Yeah. yeah. No, he, he's good. <laughs> but uh, in all seriousness, really just congratulations on everything you've uh, uh, you, you've done over the past couple of years. I mean, like Bill Murray is one of these bands where people just really, really, really love it. Like they love what you do. It makes them very happy. And uh, and I really like seeing that. Thanks, man. Yeah, that's the goal. I, I'm very, very happy with how things have been growing and um, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. But yeah, it's it's been really enjoyable. And to see like how hard 
core of the fan base is is pretty crazy because you know uh we really grew quite a bit during the pandemic and yeah. then we start playing shows and everyone's wearing like potato sacks and goblin masks to the shows and like <laughs> you know getting like absolutely wild with it which i love i had no idea my stupid jokes would have such an impact on on things but it's been really great to see and witness in person it feels like you kind of leaned into like the silly like meme stuff maybe starting around like absolutely cranking my effing hog maybe around that era am i correct about that was that like a conscious thing i think that's when it reached its like absolute peak performance yeah i feel like the album called banana is really when i started to just say you know what I'm just going to do whatever the fuck I want and just see what happens. I felt like the titles had a lot more punch and were like much more memorable than just naming it like you or something like that. So, but absolutely cranking was probably the first song title where I was like, I want to push this as far as I possibly can and just see, is there a limit? Where is the limit? So yeah, you're, you're right in that. Absolutely. The peak of those ridiculous song titles or I realized the potential of it how far I could push it well what I really like about that is that obviously you're having fun and being silly with some parts of it you know the the it's not like it's a joke band you know your lyrics to me like feel like really heavy for example my like my favorite newer song is the void approacheth you know you're it's so it's it's not like it's a joke band I think there's this idea that like if you do with a lot of people in kind of the rock and metal world that if you do anything fun that means you know people won't take your music seriously you know what i mean and you've sort of proven that that's not true yeah i was thinking about that and i realized that bill murray is very much so in line with my personality where it's like yeah i'm kind of bubbly and funny on the outside but i got the the darkness inside my soul too <laughs> so I think that on the outside, you know, the song titles are very funny and whatever. The art's really bright, but, you know, when you can dive into it and there's a lot of depth there. And I think uh, that is something that was un- an unintended pouring out of just who I am, I guess. Yeah. And- but yeah, you know, it's it's definitely a tightrope walk. You don't want to do too much funny stuff, especially in the music. When, you know, when I do a joke in the music, I'm very much thinking, is this too much? You don't want to fall into like the Marvel thing where they, you know, have this really somber moment and then just make like a dick joke afterwards. You're kind of, you're like, man, you should have just let that moment sit a little longer so that people could soak that in and then kind of ease back into the humor. So music wise, for sure, there's a lot of deliberation. Like, do I want to put a joke here or do I just want to let it be somber or be real for a little bit? Well, I mean, that's how most people are, right? Like people are not like serious all the time or goofy all the time. I mean, people are complex and multifaceted and like, why shouldn't your music be that way too? Yeah. And, you know, I I do think that there's a lot more of a staying power to music that is serious than, you know, just joking around. So I, I try to keep it as as serious as i possibly can what it feels like to me is like laughing through the pain (laughs) yeah well i think a lot of people who are funny have probably gone through some shit in their life and that's why they're funny because it's the only way that you really know how to deal with what you're going through so i'm sure that's in the the concoction there too the wojack meme of like the smiling mask with tears behind it (laughs) that's bill murray to me yeah (laughs) 
I love that. Yes, I completely agree. Along that same line, you know, you're not like a rock and roll guy in terms of like, seems like you don't party a lot. You know, you don't have like a big ego or anything like that. And usually I feel like that is what makes people successful. But you're one of these people where I think the fact that you are kind of low key is what people really respond to. Yeah. Well, I always say like, I'm not hot enough to have an ego. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> if I was way hotter, I'd be a fucking asshole. No, I'm just kidding. Right. If I looked like Andy Beersack, I would just treat everyone like absolute shit. Well, because you're clearly better than them, you know? Exactly. <laughs> God blessed me with this face, which means I'm better than you. Exactly. No, I, yeah, I'm not hot enough to do that. So I have to have, no, I think ego to me is something that ruins creativity, uh, at least for myself. So, you know, when I sense ego, when I sense that, because obviously I have ego. Everybody does. Everyone does. When I sense that, I usually find that it's in opposition to what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to create. Specifically, what I've realized is like, even in this past year, as the band has gotten a lot bigger, what's been cool is the people that I'm working with are so specialized and so talented at what they do that for me, it a lot of the times, the lesson I learned this year was, or at least in 22, was you need to step out of the way here. You need to, you have a thing that you're really good at doing, this very specific thing, but this person next to you is really good at doing this very specific thing that helps you out. So you need to understand that you got to take a step back and let them do their thing and don't like hover over them. And ego just can't be a part of that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I do try to actively work on that. And, you know, sometimes you notice the ego flares up and you're like, eh, shut up. Uh, that's not right. And I think for me, as long as I'm in pursuit of making the absolute best stuff and best music that I can, then ego just has no place there. Also, it's just not very fun to be egotistical. I have a lot more fun (laughs) hanging around and fucking around with my friends than trying to act like I'm someone that I'm not or whatever. You've been really kind of a one-man operation for a long time. What are some of the things that you've been delegating and getting help with? Uh, A lot. So like I said, the, the big lesson I learned last year was, you know, I can keep my arms around the band and every aspect of the band at a certain point at a certain size, it's gotten to a size where I, I can't keep my arms around everything. And last year, I, I really tried to do that. And it drove me nuts because I was trying to do way too much. I was working like 12 hours a day just trying to keep a hold of everything. And and your brain can only hold so much information. Right. So like, but I was like, oh, I got this, you know, maybe a little bit of ego, who knows. But uh, I, I just couldn't let it go. And then I realized like in order to do this, in order to keep the band healthy, I have to let some things go and and let these people who are unbelievably talented. Is this like merch and that kind of thing or? Uh, it's it's about every facet of the band. So I got a manager, um, a booking agent, business manager, lawyer. I have a live band now, merch. And so you were doing all that stuff yourself before? Essentially, yes. You know, and, and even on the live aspect, I was run, I was teching the band, you know, I was... <laughs> No, I'll tune your toms. Yeah, I was essentially like tuning everything, setting up guitar strings, all that stuff. And when you have Josh Manuel in your band, just let him do his fucking thing. Well, once he got in the band, I was like, I don't need to worry about this (laughs) at all. There's nothing you're going to do with drums that is going to be better than what he would do. Fuck (laughs) no. And so 
you know, it was great because that helped me learn like, oh, Josh is in the band. He is the best drummer. Like in my yeah. mind, he's the best drummer. He's my number one pick. And then we get Reese in the band and he's in my mind, my number one pick for guitar. So I, I'm like, I no longer need to worry about that. Gabby and Kat, um, saxophone and then bass and keys. They are now so good and so specialized at what they do that I don't need to worry about those things anymore. And now I can just walk out on stage knowing that in my mind, I have the best live band that exists and I can just have fun and do my thing, which is, you know, making poop jokes on stage, which is really my specialty and why God put me on this earth. So we all have a gift. I'm, I was born to stereotype. That's my thing. <laughs> I'm just really good at stereotyping people. For me, it's like, um, you know, I don't feel like I'm fulfilling my purpose on this earth unless I'm making poop jokes in front of, you know, three to 500 people every night. So, but like, it, it does help me just enjoy being on stage because I don't have to worry about any of that. So that's on the live aspect. Then, you know, the business manager, I'm not a money guy. I, I learned how to manage. Why would you want to be? That's like the least fucking fun thing in the world. It's so important, though. Yeah, it's super important. But like if you can have somebody else do it. Yes. For a reason. And, and they'll pay for themselves. Right. Because, you know, all the savings and whatnot they find. So the ego thing is interesting to me because on the one hand, to be a good musician or creator or athlete or anything like that you kind of you have to believe in yourself and you have to believe that like i have a vision and i want to bring that vision to life like that's a necessary thing on the other hand you see so many fucking music like i think musicians have like the biggest egos of anybody that i have ever dealt with it's up there dude it's up there. Uh, it's <laughs> it's insane. And there's so many times where you see musicians just shoot themselves in the foot, like paying a bunch of money to go in the studio with some producer and then not listening to what they say. Why the fuck are yeah. you paying this person if you're not going to do what they say? It, it's, it's so funny, though. It's like ego mixed with the most insecure person of that yes. you've ever met. Like that is. <laughs> yeah, I hate that's myself, like but I'm also right about everything. Yeah, but don't ever fucking mention or question what I'm saying. Yeah, no. I actually do think at the the higher levels, you do get a lot of people who are not like that, though. Yeah, the successful people tend to be pretty cool. You really can't. Yeah. Unless you're a literal god. Right. You know, <laughs> like, you really can't do it without other people. And even if you are, you, you can't do it without other people. You need to work with other people. I mean, if you look at a band like Ice Nine Kills, you know, they have a group of people that they work with and trust and, like, really treat as partners. And I think that's a big part of why... They've gotten as big as they have, you know, like totally, you know, my friend Mike Cortada does all their merch. They rely on him. They let him do his thing. They treat him like an actual valuable member of the team. And they make a lot of fucking money off merch because of that. Yeah. And that's that's exactly right. I have uh, Frankie Mish who does all my design work. And when we first started working together, I was a much more hovery. But, you know, he's working on the next album artwork. And I'm like, dude, here's what I want. And I'm just going to trust that you're going to do a great job and I'm not going to yeah. hover over you and and I know you're going to crush it. And then, yeah, legitimately, if I didn't have Will Carlson working with me, this band would be nowhere near as good as what as it is. He's he's one of those guys that's just so good at his job. I Like I'll, I'll be sending mix notes to him and it'll just be make something cool here. <laughs> um, and I, I like to call those like sprinkles. Right. I'm like, well, or we call it sauce. We're like this place, uh -huh. this, this verse one needs a little more sauce. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's important to remove ego out of the picture, especially because I used to mix Bill Murray and master right. it and produce it, do everything. And I was like, Hey, Will, you should, uh, 
you should test mix this song because I've been trying to mix it for a month and I'm about to fucking run my head through the wall. And you usually work really fast. So if you're struggling with something for a month, like there's something wrong. Exactly. I just knew it could be better. And then he sends me back something like that day that's a billion times better <laughs> than what I could do mix level. And I was like, all right, you're mixing this from now on. Like there's just no way I'm ever going to go back to mixing it unless I had to. But yeah, the the partnership is so important to making making it what it is. And I yeah, everyone listening, it is definitely not a one man operation anymore. And it hasn't been for a very long time. In fact, the reason that things are so good now is because it's not a one man operation. Right. Yeah. I mean, I kind of had a similar thing of I used to edit all my videos myself and I was so convinced, not even that I, I don't even think I'm that great of an editor, but I was so convinced that nobody could possibly do as good of a job as I do because like nobody else could pick the right clips and blah, blah, blah. Like, well, shout out to uh, my editor, Tim. He just emailed me out of the blue uh, and asked if I was looking for an editor. And there's just something about the way that he approached me that I was like, let's try it. And uh, lo and behold, he does a way better job than I did. Yes, that's awesome. It's so important. And he can spend all of his time focusing on editing and you can't do that. Right. And that, that's even if even if you were a better editor, I learned that from Mr. Beast. But even if you were a better editor, you don't have the same amount of time to spend doing that and focusing on that as he does, as I'm sure you've gotten a lot more busy, too, because you've grown a ton. Yeah. You have like a couple channels and you stream and do all that. Right. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's and again, <laughs> I, I had somebody uh, shout out to uh, my friend Jarrett, who helped me set up Twitch and uh, edits on my second channel videos. Again, like I, I, I wouldn't have done all that stuff if I didn't have help. So the lesson to me for anybody listening is like if there's people in your life who are asking you to help, who are good at what they do, say yes and trust them. And if it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. You'll be back where you started. Yeah. But like just let go and fucking trust people. And like, if somebody, somebody wants to help you, let them help you. <laughs> yeah. People just won't get out of their own way. Yes, I agree. And even on that, that topic, like I, I wanted to ask you, I feel like when we did the last podcast was before, I mean, social media has completely changed. Yeah. It was December of 2019 was when we did our first podcast. Yep. Almost three years ago. Your kind of format was, you know, 10 to 12 minute videos on YouTube. And things have changed so much where it's, yeah. you know, real shorts and, and uh, TikTok. But I wanted to know, like, how you've kind of shifted your focus or have you changed really your kind of strategy on what you're doing or? I don't think that I am good at the, well, I could be good at those like short form kind of things if mm -hmm. I wanted to, but I don't like it. And uh, so, I mean, I, I do some of the reels and TikTok stuff, but it's just not my emphasis. What yeah. I've decided to do is really like double down actually on long form stuff. Cool. Um, because I think that's what I'm better at. And that stuff's not going anywhere. So for example, like Twitch, you know, I started doing that about a year and a half ago. I only do it twice a week, but still that's six hours a week. And then I chop up all the highlights of that and put that on my second channel. And so now I'm publishing and the second channel videos tend to be, you know, 15 to 25 minutes long, three or four times a week, plus a podcast. So I think the lesson to me is like, you should really focus on what you're good at. You're telling me not to chase trends, dude? <laughs> well, I mean, you have to take them seriously, right. you know, because they, they do matter. But you also can't, yeah, you can't just chase that trend. I mean, we've all seen this. If you've been around for a long time, you've seen trends and music come and go. And you see when someone is late to a trend and just trying to jump on that. <laughs> and it's just obvious. It's so bad. Yes. You know, it's so bad. 
And there's going to be times where no matter what you do, the trends are going to be against you. The answer to that is not to jump on that trend. It's to weather the storm. And if you're actually good at what you do and you're actually doing something that connects with people, just weather the storm and things will come back. Like Newfound Glory is a good example of that. They were huge in you know the, the late 90s and early 2000s. And then they had kind of a low point in the mid 2000s when they were sort of you know, I don't want to say washed up, but like they weren't cool anymore and nobody cared about them. And uh, they weathered the storm and they came back in 2009. And now everyone loves Newfound Glory, you know? Um, so I think whatever it is that you do, I think the answer is to like double down on what you're good at. And if there is a trend that you're ex genuinely excited about, jump on it. Yeah. But if you're not excited about it, don't. That makes sense. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, out there. Yes, we're out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together, we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our biweekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, you can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use HyperFollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode.
now that we're on that topic, I would love to hear some of your uh, musical trends that have come and gone that at least in the past decade where you're like, I don't know, maybe uh, ones that aren't as obvious because you are very good at like <laughs> analyzing things and seeing trends that other people don't. So I, I'm curious to hear yeah. maybe a couple trends from not even, yeah, we can keep it in the scene world if you want, but maybe overall. Sure. One thing I find interesting is that now it's uh, like there's a new wave of like shoegaze hype, right? You know, people are all into that stuff. And I remember the first wave of shoegaze revival hype in like 2015. Maybe. Yeah, maybe even a little bit before that when like title fight title fight. Yeah. When they started getting big and stuff. That fucking album is so dope. What's it called? Hyper Night. It's great, but it really that trend fizzled pretty quickly. I feel like by 2017, it was gone. Totally gone. You know, Turnover was another really good one. That's so true. There was like the um, shoegaze, but also like that kind of grunge revival too yeah damn yeah i haven't even thought about that for i was actually going through my old spotify wrapped playlist and like 2016 2017 it was all that stuff yeah <laughs> i'm like damn i don't even listen to that at all anymore yeah and not that that stuff was bad or anything it's no just, it was it's great a thing that came and went and it seems like it's coming again and it'll probably go again another one would be the 2013 2014 like tumblr pizza pop punk you know like real friends and, oh uh, yeah, the Wonder Years and all that kind of stuff, which uh, <laughs> the story so far, you know, would fit into that. And uh-huh. uh, I love that stuff. That was like, I mean, obviously, I was obviously oh, a lot older than those people, but like, I just thought it was a really cool scene. It was like it's very wholesome. Not it was it wasn't too edgy. It definitely captured my attention. Like, I think I only listened to the story so far for like a year. <laughs> so you're you're the ultimate trend hopper. I approach trends for sure. Lo-fi was a big one. You were on the dubstep program? Oh, of course, dude. You were the leader of the dubstep program. The dubstep gold rush? Yes. <laughs> I definitely heard dubstep and I was like, this has to be, you know, a part of what we're doing. But I try now when I see trends. But it sounded great. I mean, like, I think you do a really good job of incorporating stuff like that in a way that feels like it doesn't feel like it's hopping on a bandwagon. It's like, oh, right. this is a, a new a new thing to play with. I, I view trends as seasonings. Yeah, um, exactly. Like for the with Bill Murray specifically, it's always going to be drum, bass, guitar, vocal. Always. But the different synth sounds I use and song structures and stuff like that are always going to be kind of changing depending on what I'm interested in the moment. And, uh, and you know, if it's a trend that I enjoy, I will definitely use that as like a flavoring, but I never want to like jump, you know, fully invest into that stock, right. so to speak. But like, I could see you doing a reggaeton song and it wouldn't be weird. Who knows? Maybe not like straight up reggaeton, but like you could have <laughs> like some reggaeton elements in a song. And I think that would totally like that that would that would make sense yeah i definitely use that beat a ton because it's yeah amazing but yeah i mean it really is like whatever i'm interested in that's where i'm i'm using it as a seasoning essentially well one thing that i really like about bill murray that separates it from a lot of other kind of current rock and and metal to me is that you have at the core what feels to me like a strong pop sensibility, meaning like it's really strong vocal melodies, vocal forward mixes and song structures that, you know, they're not maybe super standard, but it's not like riff salad. Um, at the no. end of the day, to me, it is like twisted pop. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? We call it heavy pop. OK, there we go. It's like it's like pop with like a. It's pop for someone who has ADHD. Yes. Because I 
I think that heavy music is the most exciting music to me. It is just, you know, someone's yelling on a microphone. Everything's loud as shit. And I, I use that a lot to interject an energy that really doesn't exist in pop music. Right. Well, and I love it. And live, it's like, it is, you know, if it was just the pop part of it, it would not be nearly as enjoyable as if, you know, it's like, this is a pop song with a riff, you know, at the end that has like China. Right. So, yeah, I, I think that that was the scene I grew up in and I will forever be using elements of that you know that type of music because those shows pop off harder than any other show i call it heavy pop essentially but the specific thing to me i guess that i've really become aware of in the past several years is how much i'll say metal but it's like rock in general but especially like the heavier side of things metal musicians really don't care about vocals and it's very strange to me that they just care about riffs and nobody talks about vocals and vocal melodies. All the mixes, because everyone, all the mixers are guitarists, like the, the fucking vocals are buried. And I, it's strange to me because the biggest bands that everybody, you know, cites as an influence, like say Slipknot um, or Linkin Park or Lamb of God, like all have really strong vocals and the mixes, the, the vocals are loud as shit in the mixes. And it feels like metal just doesn't care about vocals anymore. And I think that's a big part of why it's not as popular. This is something I've also been learning. It is very apparent when a guitarist is writing everything <laughs> yes exactly and i never really noticed that until because I, I i don't really listen to metal a ton yeah but when i go back and listen to metal i'm like oh my god this is a minute of just guitar riffs yeah which is great if you're another guitarist but it, essentially it's like a guitarist being like dude look at how sick i am i'm yeah. like this isn't even like serving the song this is right. just you kind of flexing to flex and there's no melodic part to it like their idea of a song a songwriting is to put a bunch of riffs together and then give it to the vocalist and be like you know do, do something, something whatever over this i don't care to be fair if that's what they want to do then so be it totally you know if they want it to be like guitar centric fair enough but like yeah. i get i get pretty bored you know when i hear stuff like that i hear a good riff on guitar i mean i'm a guitarist first sure and if i hear a good riff i'm like oh that's cool like i i really enjoy that but it can't sit around for too long or else I'm very much so get to the, the meat of the song. Like when is someone going to start singing? <laughs> and I think for anybody who's frustrated with the reason I mentioned this, is because a lot of people are also frustrated that their music isn't getting the reaction that they want. And I think that a lot of that is because it's guitarists writing for other guitarists and not everybody is a guitarist. The reality is that human beings like our like our our brains are programmed to like connect with human voices. Mm -hmm. And I think my suggestion, um, as someone who's not a great musician, um, but I've worked with a lot of great musicians, is like like try thinking about vocals more. Try writing like a vocal melody first and like just maybe maybe don't revolve everything around guitars for once. I'm I'm about 16 years into my career and I'm just learning that lesson. I approached a lot of stuff from a guitar first standpoint but also you know i'm like i sing too a little bit yeah and no i think you're a great singer thanks man i'm trying you have a lot of emotion in your voice which yeah. is ultimately that's what matters yeah and and what i've learned is and what i'm doing now is i'm writing if you can get a banging vocal and a banging chord progression you can kind of wrap that in a cool guitar riff right it doesn't need to be 
oh, I need to write a sick guitar riff first and then slap a vocal on there. I can right. write a sick melody, a sick chord progression, and then add a guitar riff after that, you know, depending if you've really got a solid melody that can carry a song, then it, it'll be super easy to write a guitar riff around that. Like your songs could be arranged as just straight up pop songs or yes. electronic songs or whatever. You could take out the guitars and like it would still work just fine arranged in another genre. That's not yeah. true of a lot of metal. Well, you know, what's really interesting is songwriting is always just going to be songwriting. Yeah. Which sounds stupid as fuck. But as I explain it. No, you know, it's totally true. Songwriting, you listen to any genre, they're all the same yes. types of songwriting. They're just choosing to wrap it in a specific genre. Exactly. So, you know, maybe there's a slight difference, but you could take any song and put, name a song, like um, the, what's the Motionless and White song that sounds like Michael Jackson? It's like- Oh, the Halloween one? I forget the yeah, name Yeah, yeah, yeah. Werewolf, That's a pop that song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a pop song. Yes. 100% a pop song. All you have to do is take the guitars out, put in like electronic yep. drums and like stabby synths, and it's it's that. This is why could, all those punk goes pop comps got so big is because yes. those are incredible fucking songs. Exactly. That you just put some breakdowns in it, and it's like, oh, it's still an incredible song, but now it's wrapped in the genre that I like. And and to me, a really good song, you can put exactly you put on any genre. This yep. could be a country song, or a pop song, a rock song. You can do whatever you want with it or whatever song, a folk song. You can do whatever you want with it and the song will still stand, you yep. know, its ground. And to me, genre is just the wrapping that you wrap the gold in. It's just like choosing an option like in an RPG, like <laughs> in a drop down, you know, that's how I think of it. You know? Yes. What class the song do you is want? the song? It's just like, yeah, what what genre do you want it to be expressed in? But it's still the same song. Yep. It's exactly right. So, yeah, I I I think that for me, I have a lot of fun trying to blend in every genre I'm interested in at the moment, which is like where the a lot of the problem solving happens within the song is like, how do I how do I incorporate metal and country into this one part? Not like have a metal part and without it sounding like Weird Al, some fucking jokey mishmash of shit. Exactly. And and it can't sound like it, it exactly can't sound like parody it's yeah. got to sound organic you know how does this heavy guitar could i add a pedal steel to this heavy guitar and you know if it works it works right but yeah that's that's what i enjoy doing that's really what i love about bill murray is that it's you know there's always something different always something unexpected there's always a surprise but it never feels forced yeah it's got to feel it's just got to be enjoyable i like to have Things absolutely surprise people, you know, but it can't be everything slammed in and just obvious that, oh, he's just trying to mash genres together that don't work. Right. It's got to flow. One thing I've noticed is that you slowed down a little bit. You used to do like three or four albums a year, which is insane and amazing. But you've only you slowed down and only put out three albums in two years, which is still way more than most people do. What's behind that? I was kind of testing it out to see if if I liked that format. And the conclusion is, fuck no, I hated it. I only released one album last year and I disliked doing that because there's so much waiting to put stuff out and so much like ramping up to this and we've got to get, see, yeah. you know, this thing here. And it really made me kind of miss the days when I literally would finish the album and then <laughs> upload it that day. 
be like, all right. Or I'd, I would I'd finish the album, get the artwork the next day and then click upload for a week later. I mean, that's what everybody does in other genres, you know? Yeah, there's a freedom to that. And yeah, you let people decide which songs they like yep. the most instead of telling them these are the eight to 10 songs you're going to like. Right. So this next year is really going to be kind of more a return to form of just freely releasing things as I please and as it makes sense. But I will... I don't think I'll ever release just one album a year. Who knows? I mean, maybe things will change. Which is still, again, even one album a year is more than the vast majority of bands do. So even you at your slowest is still pretty fast. Yeah, I, I would lose my mind if I didn't release an album every year. But this next year will probably be two. That's kind of the goal. I don't understand how people, just because, again, I'm... What do you do all day? Yeah, exactly. You're a musician. Exactly. You're a professional musician. Exactly. Well, I think what it is, is a lot of people like being in a band more than they like making music, if that makes sense. Yes. Well, it doesn't make sense to me because I'm like, what the fuck's the, what are you doing all day? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people like all the other stuff, but like, again, I'm a shitty musician, but like, I really enjoy writing and recording music. That's fun to me. That's it to me. But I think a lot of people in bands don't necessarily love that part of it. That's crazy. I mean, put me in the studio every day, which is what I do. Right. That's fun. If I have hours of free time, I'm like, oh, it's my off day. I'm going to go write a song, see if there's anything there. And yeah, and I mean, you know, fair enough to them if that's what they want to do is yeah. just hop on stage and play guitar and that's, you know. But for me, I literally will go insane if I don't write a song, at least a couple songs a week. Slowing Down was a test to see if I liked that and I hated it. So <laughs> <laughs> we're back. I at least want to do two releases this year and then, you know, who knows, maybe next year we do three. Whatever, yeah, see what happens. whatever I'm feeling, but I'm... Returning to the the freedom of just releasing songs as they need to be released and not putting it in a box and being like, I have to I have to do an album at the end of the year and that's it. And have a rollout and this and that. Fuck rollouts, dude. <laughs> I just don't think that's the world we live in anymore. Agreed. I mean, maybe if you're Avenged Sevenfold or something like that, you know, maybe maybe it's different at that level. I don't know. Yep. But like forever. For, but but I don't know if it is. I mean, shit like Drake and 21 Savage just dropped a fucking album with like three days notice. It was awesome. Yeah. And it was and it was great. And it's and it's a hit. I just don't think that's the world we live in anymore. Like, I don't think people don't care about big things coming soon. And like, dude, do you know what I mean? It's like, just give me the fucking song. Oh, yes, I do. The last album I did, Goblin Hours, took quite a bit of time to do because I was, again, trying to do everything and not letting people just do their job. And I was the bottleneck a lot of last year. Stepping out of the way of right. those things really frees me up to to do a lot more and release a lot more music um, for for the upcoming year. But yeah, I don't know. I also was thinking about that a couple days ago. I was looking through my Spotify because, you know, I'm, I was like maybe a little old school, like ah, I'm, I love releasing album and I like listening through an album. But then I say fuck albums. Dude, Just give me the give me the singles. Give me the good stuff. Here's what I was what I realized. I, I was like, well, yeah, I like albums. And then I was like, dude, you don't even fucking listen to albums. <laughs> right. You don't. I was like, listen, look at your Spotify. When's the last time you went straight through an album? It's been a long time. Nobody does and that. So. Right. And and it's like, if I'm having this, I'm a music guy. If I'm having this expectation on anyone else to listen all the way through an album and I don't even do that, I'm just like, oh, I like this song. I like this song. I like this song. So that's kind of the approach we're 
taking a lot more next year is just like let's just release some singles release some you know an album but like it doesn't need to be this humongo thing where i'm like three days from a month from yeah. now you know you you have to post your trailer with some staticky cryptic thing that's like wednesday god you know <laughs> if i can never do that again in my life i mean i'll do it if i have to but if I could never do that it's again, just, I would so be very happy. It's so and played out. Who wants that? You know, the countdown has begun. <laughs> right. <laughs> the people will decide if it's good, good. or not. Exactly. They will, you know, and it, I don't think there's any correlation between like how much time and energy you put into your rollout and how successful something is, because we can all think of plenty of bands that just busted their ass trying to do this elaborate rollout and nobody gave a shit. And then we can think <laughs> about stuff that you just put it out on, you know, MySpace or YouTube or something. And then it blew up and you're like, Oh, I wasn't expecting that. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I, there's so much, uh, uh, such an inefficient use of time last year where I'm like, fuck, like I gotta, like, I yeah. can't believe I wasted so much time on that shit. Like I could have just, done this and it would have been better uh well it's interesting but, to hear you say that because i think of you as being really the template for like how to do things the right way which is you just have like a constant stream of stuff coming out whether it's music or just silly memes or videos or like you're always putting out something creative and i think of it as like you know to me the model is not like oh let's wait for this album it's just like i want to have i want to follow creators and like, and I would call, you know, musicians or creators to me, I want to follow creators who make cool shit and just see what they're putting out on a constant basis. Does that right. make sense? Yes. The, the thing that I've thought a lot of recently is I don't want music to become content, essentially, where it's like, but I think there's a balance there. Like, I don't want to just shit music out to shit it out. Yeah. I really want to, like, care about it and enjoy it. And I don't want it to be viewed as like an Instagram post almost right, where it's like, right. oh yeah, like we got another song, I guess. Right. But at the same time, I don't want it to be so sacred that I'm, you know, I have this really boxed in view of it and it needs to be this way and there needs to right. be a rollout. I just, I hate that shit too. But I, I worry about it being like, oh, you release a song and whatever. And there's another right. song, whatever. And it's like the balance that you kind of have to find. Uh and 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 like I forget if it was Lil B or Soldier Boy. One of them released like thirty five mixtapes in a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's too a little too far for me on one side of the spectrum. Whereas I I don't want it to be viewed as just content. Like, right. and I don't want to view it that way. I want to view it as like I'm doing my very best to make the best stuff that I can, and it's gonna come out, you know, as soon as it makes sense. But I've gotten fast at doing that, and then I can definitely up the pace back up again because it's just a lot more fun that way. And you let people decide what they like because you have no idea. Like, the song that I dislike the most on this... I mean, I didn't dislike any of the songs. I yeah. fucking love every song on my last album. But the song that I found myself listening to the least became very popular. And I was like, all right, fair enough. You know, I don't know what people are going to like. I have a general idea, but it's... You know, it's usually slightly off from what the fan base enjoys. Yeah. I mean, a good example of that to me is, uh, you know, Bad Omens. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they had a big moment on TikTok uh, last year. 
And the song um, was not even a single. It was just a random album track that I don't think they necessarily intended to be like a big thing. But that's the one the audience decided was the most meaningful for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's I would like to put that power in the audience's hands more. Be like, all right, here's here's a bunch of songs. You guys pick which ones you like. You know, whichever one people just naturally listen to the most is the ones that are the best, you know, for me, because I'm going to enjoy all of them. So that's fine. It's going to pass through that filter. But once it passes through that filter, I just want to open it up for anyone to choose what they like and figure it out. And then the the cream will rise to the top and then we'll play it live. So, yep. And that's getting back (laughs) to the ego thing of like, you know, I have the same thing with my videos. There are certain ones that I really want people to like care about. Well, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Yep. And you know, the ego thing, you can't force anything on your audience. It just, it's going to be what it's going to be. And I just try to be grateful that anyone cares about anything. Yes. Because you can get really bitter. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen artists get really bitter where it's like, people don't give a fuck about my real shit, you know? And it's like, Dude, the fact that human beings are paying your mortgage by listening to your music, you should be like weeping daily. <laughs> exactly. To sound egotistically humble, I like legitimately wake up most days and truly like thank the universe and thank God that people streaming my music pays for my bills. And the fact that, you know, like I just bought a puppy and I'm like, dude, people streaming my shit on Spotify bought this fucking puppy that's insane to me and i'm super grateful so i'm not gonna i'm gonna choose not to be like oh i wish they listened to this song and stuff it's like who gives a shit dude the big thing is covered in the fact that you are able to live on this planet doing what you love and so yes that is the perspective i very much have but i can see how and i do see a lot of artists get really bitter at that yeah, I mean, I, I've gotten that way sometimes, and I just I really try to check it whenever I see it coming up because it's like you can find fault in anything in this world if you want to, but they can always be better or worse. Right. But what's the point in that? Like, you're not going to make yourself happy by like, yeah, well, I know I'm blessed to make a living, you know, making music or videos or whatever, but like, OK, well, you just ruined something amazing for yourself. Congratulations. Yeah. Human beings are so good at doing that. Like. You know, yeah, I I definitely think it's like a very kind of garden thing where you got to weed the garden yep. every once in a while yep. of of those kind of shitty attitudes. I noticed like at certain times on tour, I, <laughs> I would notice things like that, you know, where maybe like we'll go to a venue and I'd be like, oh, dang, they forgot our carrots on our rider. I'm like, shut the fuck up, dude. Like to myself, you know, like, do you know who I am? Oh, God. I luckily have not done that, but like, I'll just be like, oh, I want to do that sometime. And they'll be like, no, should I? And like, no, (laughs) I'm just wondering. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind. It's not like I care, but yeah, it's, it's definitely like a thing. You got to kind of pull those weeds out (laughs) where you, you remember how good of a spot you have. And, and yeah, there's little things you could find to bitch about in any situation, but um yeah i'm i'm very grateful for sure and i'm yeah pick whatever fucking song of mine you want to listen to (laughs) i'll be happy that you're listening great well i think that's a good note for us to end it on thank you very much for joining me as always and congratulations on all your success i think it's super inspiring and i'm really excited to see what's next for you 
Dude, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me back on again. This is awesome. Anytime. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that. And you can just sit at home, think about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now.